Research for what? Hello and welcome to Research for What, the podcast that discusses scientific research, its purpose and impact. I'm your host, Ron Bouvray. Each week, I will interview recognized thought leaders who share the same passion for science and research and invest the energy, time or money. We will talk about the challenges and opportunities for research. I'm also very keen to find out how experts define impact and what methods they use to measure it. Every week, I will ask the question, research for what? Today, I'm going to talk with Daryl Harkness. Daryl is a CEO of the Ingham Institute of Applied Medical Research in Liverpool. The research focus of the Ingham Institute is strongly linked to the needs of individuals and families who live in the southwestern suburbs of Liverpool. Liverpool is about 50 minutes drive from the Sydney CBD. The Ingham Institute has over 40 research groups working over six mainstreams, cancer research, clinical trials, clinical science research, injury and rehabilitation research, population and health services research, and mental health research. The Institute works also very closely in partnership with the Liverpool Hospital, the Southwest Sydney Local Health District, the University of New South Wales, and Western Sydney University. So maybe to start, Darren, can you tell me more about your role as a CEO of the Ingham Institute? Sure, sure. Well, thanks, Rom. It's nice to be joining you today. And, uh, and perhaps I'll just add, we, um, we're actually not just for Liverpool, we're for all of Southwest Sydney. Right. So we, in many ways, we mirror the footprint of uh, the Southwest Sydney Local Health Districts, which goes down as far as Barrel and back towards the city as far as Bankstown. And of course, we have Fairfield, Campbelltown. So we're, we're here for the, uh, the entire community across Southwest Sydney. But of course, Liverpool is a key part of that. So my role at the Ingham Institute is, um, well, we're, we're perhaps a little different to some uh, institutes. So my role CEO, as you said, we also have a research director who's a, a well-known colorectal professor, Professor Les Bocaine. And if you like, we split the duties. So okay. he's across the, the research. Uh, he's a medico, I'm not. And I'm across everything else. So essentially um, overseeing facilities, making sure we're well-resourced and giving the researchers what they need, engaging with the community, engaging with government, overseeing our strategic planning, uh, building capabilities for the future and uh, building facilities for the future. But, uh, but in saying that, uh, Professor Bocao-Les and I work very, very closely. We've known each other for a long time and uh, there's a lot of crossover in what we do. Okay, great. So I believe the Institute only started a few years ago. Can you tell me how it all started? Sure. Well, the building, our first building's in Liverpool and the building has been here by, for uh, seven years, opened by Julia Gillard with some generous support from many people. But the initial idea and the, the initial support came from the local business community and was driven by Bob Ingham uh, right. of the Ingham Chicken Corporation. Yes. He's since sold that. But he really wanted to do something for Southwest Sydney and uh, as uh, these things often have interesting ways of starting, so... Um, uh, he had a family member who was suffering from bowel cancer right. and uh, got wonderful treatment in Liverpool Hospital and said, what can I do to help? And uh, the chief executive at the time said, look, we'd love a research institute that would help us uh, attract doctors to Liverpool. This was many years ago when the, the concept first came along. But also we'd love to do research that is really focused on solving health issues for the local community, but also keeping the local community well. So it's not just about uh, addressing issues after people are sick, but helping them not get sick and stay out of hospital is, is a priority as well. 
So that's interesting to start a new research institute very close to a fantastic hospital. Mm. What was the what were the needs? Why did they did we need a new research institute? Yeah. So I think there were many many needs. Um, you know, if you think about the population in southwest Sydney, there is a lot of uh, illness. We have, uh, you know, a lot of obesity, diabetes, cancer rates are slightly higher. People seem to present a little later with their illnesses. So there was many, many things to to solve. And one of the things about the Ingham Institute is we we could not be in a deeper partnership than the partnership we have with the local health district. The, the chief executive of the LHD, Amanda Larkin, sits on our board. And that partnership, of course, extends to University of New South Wales and Western Sydney Uni. Yes. So it's really a, a four-way partnership. We have other partners, but they're the four key partners. And we work very closely, all four of us, to, to address those health issues uh, across southwest Sydney. And I think from very early on, the vision was to build world-class research institute. That's right. So how do you do that? How do you define, define world-class research and how do you build that? Yeah, Look, I'll perhaps start with the definition, and uh, I know you're speaking with Professor Bouquet at, at some stage, but uh, hopefully he has a similar definition. But I think we'd perhaps define it a little differently, and uh, world-class research should be defined on the impact it's having on the community right. or on the people that uh, should benefit from uh, the research. So if you're treating diabetes, for example, we'd want to be sure that the families and the, the people with diabetes are seeing that benefit, the, the local GPs, the hospital, you know, the local hospitals. And of course, uh, that benefit should scale well beyond Southwest Sydney. We talk a lot about Southwest Sydney. You know, if you solve something for Southwest Sydney, that should have global application. Right. And, uh, and world-class research will have global application. Yes. So, but it takes time to build world-class research. It does. And for research to translate into benefits for the for community, that yeah. takes time. Yeah. Was that an issue? How much time do you have? Oh, look, I think it's a, a continued or an ongoing journey. We do have some world-class researchers, there's no doubt about that. We need to support them and help promote and build their work. And we need to bring more world-class researchers in. And Southwest Sydney is an attractive place to do research. You know, there is a lot to be done, a lot of illness, unfortunately, and uh, it's a very good place to come and set up and, and have a, uh, you know, the right population to, to really focus some important translational research. Right. So it can be quite challenging, I suppose, to attract world-class researchers mm. to a new institute. Yeah. How do you do that and how do you keep excellent research? Yeah. So I, th I think, again, the fact that we um, have a lot of unmet need right. attracts people. It's like our, um, you know, the young doctors that come here to train. In fact, all the staff that come here to train, they, they will come to southwest Sydney and let's single out Liverpool, our largest hospital, and they will be very, very busy. And, of course, uh, they'll, they'll be exhausted at the end of the day, but they will learn and they will see, they'll see conditions here that you might not see in perhaps the more affluent suburbs, the eastern suburbs, yes. you know, they really will have a, an, an immersive experience that will develop them and teach them very quickly. And if you like research, it's, it's the same principle. Because we have so much need, there are so many areas to work on and so many sick people that uh, you're going to have a very productive time working in, in southwest Sydney. And, and we know that uh, we also need to make it, uh, you know, there's other things you need to do to attract researchers. We need the right facilities. And, you know, we have a lovely uh, young modern institute yes. here. We're actually 
full. We have uh, 370 researchers working out of Liverpool now. And, and part of our planning is to put additional research centres across the local health districts, starting with the larger hospitals. We're doing stage two Liverpool, so we're doubling the size of our facility here. We're just planning for that. And, that's, and each of the, the hospitals in the LHD are expanding. So there's about $3 billion being spent across Bankstown, Liverpool and Campbelltown for redevelopments. We'll also put a, a research centre in, uh, in Campbelltown and yes. the funds are now available for that with a generous donation from uh, Lang Walker. And then ultimately we'll also have a research centre in Bankstown. And again, that will, that will enable each of those centres and the researchers to focus on what those particular communities need. We won't have people doing the same research across those centres. We'll make sure there's no double up, but they'll also collaborate and we'll also share backroom resources. So that will, will help us attract the very best researchers. And of course, they need to be able to have funds and our local health district and our community is very generous in supporting research. And they need the other things that go with that, the backroom assistance that we like to think we can provide and we'll keep uh, expanding and growing. Right. So with so many needs in the community, how do you select which research, which research fields you will promote in the institute? Yeah, we do work very closely with the LHD, as I said, and starting at the beginning of last year, the research strategy was refreshed for the local health district. Many people from the Ingham, including myself and, of course, Professor Bouquet, worked on that. The community were engaged, doctors, nurses, uh, other leaders from the, uh, the LHD. Right. That mapped out the research priorities for the LHD and then we take those priorities and that forms an important part of what we do. So right. we're, we're, in many ways, you could say we're here to deliver on the research goals and the research strategy for the LHD. That's not the only research yes. we do, and we do other things beyond that, outside research, but that, that really is what drives us and helps us choose. And again, it's based on community need. Yes, yeah. So how engaged is the community with the Institute? Yeah, so they are engaged. We, we'd like to build on that, so I, I sort of hesitate as I say that, but uh, we have people uh, that sit on a, a community panel, for example, and they will come in and each of the research groups will present to them and uh, keep it in a very much right. lay, yes. layperson's format yeah. and ask for feedback. We're working on uh, scaling up our clinical trials. So as we did that, we had a number of workshops in each of the hospitals, but we also had a workshop in this room at the Ingham Institute for the community. And uh, we said, look, what do you look for, for in clinical trials? What do you understand about clinical trials? And it was interesting... Uh, we have a quite a multicultural population in southwest Sydney, as I'm sure you know, and different cultures have very different views about clinical trials. Some were quite concerned that, that you know, you're testing potentially dangerous drugs on the community. And yes. of course, that's not the case. But we're able to work with those communities, take their feedback and, and tailor how we approach clinical trials based on what they would like to see and uh, what they're worried about as well. And uh, And it's very interesting. We find as we draw the community in more and more, everybody sees the value they bring. And we now have community panel members who will um, 
often interrupt a senior professor and say, I'm sorry, professor, I don't understand what you're saying. Could you bring it back right. a notch? And, uh, and then they'll have very good insights and they'll often say, look, have you really thought about what that means for the community or is that, is that really relevant? And, and ask very good right. sort of challenging questions in many ways. So I think that's interesting because the traditional view of scientists or researchers is of um, people in their books, mm. hidden from the community, not engaging with the public, sure. writing articles that, mm. are, that are often not accessible to the community. Yeah. But what you're doing is quite different. Well, it is. And, and look, we certainly have people doing very important basic research that perhaps uh, isn't as relevant for the community. But, but because we're such a translational institution, you know, here to solve issues for people in southwest Sydney, it's absolutely critical. Right. It would be a major miss if we didn't have the community involved. So so they really have a great role to play. And I think our researchers, uh, and, and this is a trend across research globally where you involve the community, but I think our researchers are really starting to see the, the value of that and the community loves to be involved. And uh, we, we have many willing community members. They'll travel up from Campbelltown and further afield and find a park nearby and, and give us uh, as much time as we want. But this also needs a change in the scientific community. Mm. Often the incentives are not to engage with the community. No. And it is okay if to propose very academic projects mm. that don't necessarily impact the community um, directly. Yeah, yeah. So how do the researchers respond to this engagement? Mm. Look, I, I think, you know, some research may involve less or may not right. have as great a need for the community input, but we've found the more the researchers do it, the more value they get from it. And also you, you will see these days in grants, when you're applying for um, government grants, for example, for yes. research, yeah. they will look to see how you're engaging the community. So there is some uh, pressure to involve right. the community, you know, not uh, that, that adds to that initial step, if you like. But I, I, we find once, once researchers do that, they see the benefit. Many of our projects are in the community. So, you know, if I think about the work being done in diabetes, uh, D Professor David Simmons, a wonderful uh, diabetes researcher, him and his team are out in the community working with often church groups or others, helping them think about what they eat and avoid diabetes, for example. How do you measure research outcomes? Look, it's a very good question. I think it's always one of the difficulties trying to measure research. I would say in some ways the very practical translational research that we do is a little easier to measure yes. because you can go out to the community and you can ask the GPs, you know, depending on the research we're doing, is this making a difference? And, you know, there are things you can measure and, and I perhaps go back to diabetes again. You know, there's, there's approximately, um, now it's more than one in five patients admitted to Liverpool and Campbelltown Hospital are there because of something to do with diabetes. Right. So that's one area where you can measure the change yes. and the impact. So, you know, so I think uh, in a way it's a bit easier, easier to measure, measure translational research than perhaps some other forms right, of research. Right, right. Yeah. So you've said the word impact twice now, yep. and I'm really interested in what that means. Yep. Um, so what does it mean for the Ingham Institute? Yep. It's also one of your core values. It is. And how do you evaluate it? How do you mm. measure impact? Mm. Impact is important to us, and, and you know, perhaps I'll throw this thought in before I answer your question. Our board is made up of some very senior academic people, as I said, the, the uh, chief executive of the local health district, but also of some um, very successful and senior business people, all with a, a deep connection to Southwest Sydney, including the Ingham family. 
Uh, right. There's a yep. family member on our board. And as you know, business people, it's all about impact. Yes. You know, they won't do things yes. if they're not going to have an impact. Yes. So they certainly, uh, I won't say hold us to account, but they set a strong expectation that uh, whatever we do will have impact. And each board meeting starts with a presentation from a researcher. And we always say to the researcher, please talk about your impact, because if you don't, the board will say what's you yes. know, what's happening with the impact. Yes. And again, I think it gets back to uh, to the community. If the community sees the impact, and, and when I say community, that also means the hospitals, the LHD, you know, they're, they're very good at, at seeing impact and measuring impact. And we would look to those researchers to uh, to be very clear on how they're going to measure the impact. It's not always easy, but it's very important. And there are many research institutes in Australia. Mm. How do you distinguish yourself and how do you measure the impact the institute has yep. compared to um, hopefully all the institutes yeah. in Australia have yeah. some impact? Yeah. Do you have to stand out or do you have to show that the institute has more impact than, than others? Yeah. Look, I think each institute, or, or we, we do try and stand out, but we don't necessarily want to stand out to be from an ego perspective, if you like. We want to stand out as making a difference, but in in the spaces we work, and I think more and more research institutes are coming together, and Sphere's a good example. It brings together a number of universities, yes. including UNSW, Western Sydney Uni, a number of health districts, and I think nine or ten research institutes, and brings these groups together and says, okay, how can we work collectively to get the best return on the research dollars that we're given. Yes. And so it brings the best minds together. It avoids that potential overlap, you know, two people doing the same thing. It, it brings those people together and, and you, of course, get a better, a better outcome. So I think uh, rather than everybody try and stand out and multiple institutes be doing the same things and trying to outdo each other, more and more we're seeing people come together. And you, you need a certain amount of, of healthy competition But always say you can have both. You can have people striving to be the best, but also drawing in and working with with other institutes. And uh, if you had to pick one or two keywords, we, we have impact right up there as a keyword around research, but collaboration right. would be the other keyword that sits there. So so we do try and carve out our own space, and there's areas that um, that we like to think we can lead in. But it's not so much from an ego perspective. It's really yes. more to say, okay. Not every institute can do everything. We need each each centre to have some area of specialty and lead in that space and, and then support other researchers who want to get involved from other institutes and in Australia and around the world. But collaboration is always very challenging, very difficult to establish, mm. and probably because individuals and small groups yep. are under huge pressure to succeed at this level. Yeah, yeah. And so how do you um, combine collaborative efforts and mm. individual success? Yeah. Well, look, I think one of the things I love about research is I've come from the commercial world, which is quite different. But one of the things I love about researchers is they're very humble and they're very focused on making a difference. Yes. So that's where they start from. You know, and, and we all have egos, but they really start with, uh, start with and finish with the right motives. So... So I see them very comfortable collaborating. Now, sometimes the collaboration doesn't happen, but I don't think it's because people are competing. I think it's more because the connections don't always come about. Right. So institutes and research directors 
uh, really need to work hard to find those collaborations and, and drive them. And again, you know, you talk about groups like the National Health and Medical Research Council, which fund major part of the research in this country. They are looking for groups to collaborate and you need to demonstrate collaboration as you apply for grants. Yeah. And, and I look yeah. at, um, you know, I look at our, our larger groups here and, and the smaller ones as well. In most cases, there will be one, two, three, even four collaborations with other researchers yes. around the country or globally. Yes. So, so I think it's happening more and more. And, you know, I always think, uh, and our researchers think like this too, you know, we're, we're funded by um, the government and donors, which is ultimately the taxpayers' money. We have a responsibility to find the most efficient way to give the best return with those funds. And collaboration is critical. You know, you don't want the same, you don't want two groups doing the same thing, spending the same amount of money when you could come together, combine those funds and get a much better, better outcome, perhaps for a lower cost. Does it matter where the, where the money comes from when you're doing research? Uh, look, I don't think so. I know when we, uh, so we have some very generous donors that support research yes. here at the Institute. We like to make sure, and, and in most cases, they, uh, they really value this. We like to make sure they're connected to the research and uh, they know what's happening and we give regular updates. And, and in many ways, we hold ourselves accountable yes. to use those funds wisely. And if, if uh, business people and uh, people that have uh, been successful and made a lot of money are donating to you, I think you owe it to them, but they, they also expect it. And if you do that, you build a level of trust and often they'll come back. And, uh, right. and donate again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I don't think it makes such a difference as to where the money comes from. I think we should treasure those funds wherever they come from. Right. Yeah. 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 You've mentioned that a lot is happening, a lot is going to happen in the next couple of years, in the mm. next few years mm. around the Institute. Can you tell me more about this? What is the future for the Institute? Sure. So uh, perhaps I could just step back a little and, and talk about where the Institute has come from. So, uh, So we're seven years, just slightly yes. over seven years old in terms of this building. I mean, work went on for many years to make the Institute a reality. And I think the first five, six years were really about building a solid foundation. Yes. And our first research director, Professor Michael Barton, who's still a, a very active researcher here doing amazing work, he built that very robust research foundation and, and brought together some very good groups. And that will continue. But as we look forward, uh, and this, this was driven by the board, obviously, and, and part of the reason for, for my role coming about, the board said, look, we, we need to scale up. We need a, um, a stronger presence across the entire local health district. We've started with Liverpool. Yes. And there's great research being done elsewhere in the health district, you know, Campbelltown, Bankstown, Fairfield. But we need a, a physical presence there. And it's not so much about the physical presence. It's, it's saying, okay, how can we really help those researchers do their best work, give them the right facilities? At the same time, we're building new capabilities. And, and some of this is just as we mature. But I'll call some out. So one is clinical trials. Right. We've appointed um, a very senior person from Arcuvia, a clinical trials uh, research organization, very well known, one of the larger in the world. And uh, she has come in to, to really take what's a, a good clinical trials uh, structure and organization and scale it up and really have something that is world class. And that's good for the people of Southwest Sydney. It's good for our researchers. It's also good for Australia because it's, Australia is a wonderful place to do clinical trials. And some will be 
Some at the moment and into the future will be investigator initiated, but some will come from multinationals and other companies, startups that, that need to do clinical trials. And that's, that's a great thing for, uh, for everybody. So it's one example of some capability we're building. We're also part of uh, the Liverpool Innovation Precinct and the precinct brings together the universities, UNSW, Western Sydney Uni, Wollongong, TAFE, the LHD, the council, schools, a number of groups with the goal of creating jobs and solving health issues in southwest Sydney. So it's a health innovation precinct. And we have a manager running that precinct. And we've Lance talked to him later. Very yep. good. Uh, I think you'll enjoy speaking to Lance. We're very lucky to have him. So with the precinct, we're building a, a good capability around bringing research and uh, helping startups and helping multinationals bring technology to life. So take it along that commercialization journey. This is a, a skill set for Lance and, uh, and I come from that uh, device and diagnostic sector as well. And again, it gets back to translation. We know that to make a difference in health, in most cases, if it's a, a product that's developed, a drug or a device or a technology or a new process, often that needs to be commercialized, in fact, most times, yes. to impact the patient. So we've put um, extensive effort into building those capabilities and uh, getting access to people who can help. And there's a lot in the universities. We've also got a program, an accelerator program, and programs to help coach people in that space. And we're finding that's attracting multinationals, startups. It's having researchers think just a little more about the commercial journey at the beginning because that's important. So that's an, another example of capability. We've also added uh, a director of th philanthropy who can help bring funds in because yes. as we get larger, we'll need to fund more things to enable more research. And just in general, looking at how we can be the easiest research institute or, or network of research institutes for researchers to work in. My view is, and this has always worked in business, you, um, you sort out all the backroom, take out all the pain, and you leave the researchers to just focus on research and do their very best work. And that, that really is a key part of what the Ingham Institute, Institute should do. Right. I think in my mind, what is remarkable is that this is very consistent with your willingness to build capabilities locally mm. within the, com the, the community. Yes. You decided to stay within the communities. That's right. You, you didn't go internationally, you, you, but it, it's even harder to build these capabilities from nothing or not much. Yeah. So I can comment to that, actually. Yes. I think the way we look at those capabilities, we, we, will not, we won't build all those capabilities here at the Ingham. So yes. commercialization is a good example. Let's think about intellectual property. So we could uh, go out and hire a lawyer to manage intellectual property. We, we couldn't justify that. And we're much better to go out and, and buy that uh, assistance and that expertise right. as we need it. So that's how we think about that. We'll, and as we get larger, we, you know, maybe one day we will have an in-house yes. lawyer. Right. But, but to start with, we'll, we'll buy those skills in. And yes. that gives you access yeah. to the very best skills that are suited to whatever project you might need to involve them in. And, and I think the other thing I would say, too, is, you know, talked about collaboration. Partnerships are also very important. And we, we are building um, many partnerships, both in Australia and globally. We had the president of the Technion Institute uh, in this boardroom here at the Ingham about two weeks ago. And uh, 
very impressive institute, one of the top 10 in the world, have amazing patents and uh, track record of innovation. And we're working to build an, an MOU and a partnership with Technion, for example. Right. And uh, yeah. Professor Bouquet is heading over there mid-year to build on that partnership. And uh, and the Technion thought that was good as well. They they obviously see the innovation that comes out of Australia and the expertise. Yes. So we, you know, we work to build, to add to that capability through partnership globally as well. And there's there's many other examples we could point to with multinational organisations. You know, we're working hard to partner with them, with startups, with groups from government that support. I think uh, research is all about partnering and tapping into the amazing skills and resources that exist across Australia and, and globally. So I think there's a very ambitious and very exciting plan for the Ingham Institute in the next few years. Maybe to finish, what do you think are the opportunities? What should we expect to come out from this big plan? Yeah, our goal really is more impact locally. So getting back to where we started, yes. you know, what are we here for? So more impact locally. I would love to, as part of that impact, see us start some companies in Southwest Sydney. I'd love to see the next uh, ResMed. Yes. And, and Lance is from ResMed, so we keep saying to Lance, you, you better create the next <laughs> no ResMed, pressure. Lance, no pressure. <laughs> you know, I'd love to see a, a company that uh, starts and operates out of Southwest Sydney, creates employment and solves major health issues. You know, that would be a great outcome and it's very much aligned to, um, to what we do. And I think there's some areas that we would really like to build on the existing capability and, and lead in. And, you know, robotics is very important going into the future and uh, right. we see tremendous potential in robotics, right. for example, yes. and uh, I'm sure Professor Bouquet will talk about that. But there's other areas as well. You know, our uh, MRI Linac project is very exciting. You know, a, a wonderful new way to, to give more accurate targeting of uh, treating cancer. Right. And the work that's been done there is is world leading. You know, you talk about a standout project and it's it's uh, Michael Barton is, is leading that work. I think we can build on that. There's new therapies coming along that link very nicely into the work and the uh, knowledge that's been built through that MRI linear accelerator project. And there'll be other areas as well. We don't want to go too broad with those yes. big ones, but, um, but that's the other piece that's an opportunity. Great. Yeah. Thank you very much, Darren. I enjoyed our chat very much. Me too. I learned a lot. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure, Roman. Congratulations on your podcast. I think it's a wonderful thing to add to the research and broader health community and the community in general. So well done. Thanks, Darren. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Research for What. To connect and find more information about this episode, check out researchforwhat.com. Until next week. Research for What. <laughs>